0: So welcome back to Behind the Goals. This week we're going to be speaking to Ed Norville, um, who wrote a piece uh, called Why Scottish Football Needs to be Punk. It's been published in a couple of places. Uh, We we saw this on Football Pink. Ed is based on Lisbon. Unfortunately, the sound quality on this episode isn't as great as as it often is with us, but hopefully it all comes through in the mix uh, and you can hear everything that's going on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Really interesting um article one that we wanted to pick up on i think personally i was interested in it i know alan you're a fan of Brewdog as well but uh i was sort of drawn to it because of the brew dog and some of the beautiful animations in it as well the illustrations are are really nice if you do get a chance to check it out on football pink um you should you should uh, be able to find it on google because the animations are, are really nice yeah um and the kind of core message of what it's about is you know Scottish football needs to be a bit more like Brewdog I've, I think that's that strikes home to me uh, and I've come I've written down that perhaps as a little joke we should send every club a, a copy of uh, Business for Punks <laughs> um, and get, get them to, to perhaps think a bit more punk but um, uh, I enjoyed the, this interview coming up a lot hopefully you will do so um, here we go episode six so this week, we're delighted to be welcoming the author of a piece called Why Scottish Football Needs to Be More Punk, which fits in very nicely to the the first ever episode of Behind the Goals, which you can go back to and listen at your leisure. Uh, this person is a writer slash copywriter, originally from Edinburgh, who moved to Lisbon a couple of years ago. You're a, you're a big uh, Hibs fan whose main interests are uh, football, uh, but also the way that football kind of contributes to our society and, and culture. Um interesting thing about yourself which we asked for which is that you've uh, dedicated yourself to uh, learning to solve cryptic crosswords. Uh, <laughs> welcome welcome to the show Ed, uh, Ed Norval, and perhaps you could uh, let us know how your uh, your life's mission is going.
2: Yeah well slowly at the moment they're a lot harder than I expected and um, I've got a couple of, couple of books for Christmas to try and help me along and I'm um, I'm getting there i'm starting off with normal crosswords and then we'll move into the cryptics later (laughs) i think but yeah getting there
1: what is it that uh inspired you to commit yourself to that
2: well mate honestly i my stepfather was really good at them and i just i used to watch them and i thought you know how how are you interpreting these words in such a way it it seemed it just really blows my mind and Mm. still when I'm teaching myself how to do it, it blows my mind. Um, and I just want to be able to, to know that when I look at words, I have that sort of ability to, to manipulate them into meaning many things, you
3: know, especially for a copywriter, I think um, packing a lot of information into little, little words is, is definitely a
2: good thing. So.
0: so it's the clues you're most interested in rather than the answers?
2: Yeah, probably maybe. I Ah, think the way that, how their minds work to come up with these is just incredible, I think. And yeah, I think it is the construction as opposed to, I'm not looking for the satisfaction of solving them as much as really getting my head around the whole process. I think that's kind of what interests me in those.
0: I was I was brought up on cryptic crosswords. Um, my, my parents oh, are, were both okay. in, both into them and did one every Sunday. So I would we, be a bit of a family activity that I think I had more patience for than my brother and sister. So I'd be nice. I'd, I'd be ended up helping them with the cryptic crossword and you know, the last three clues. Um, <laughs> That's
2: brilliant, man. That's it's. Uh, I'll I'll get in touch with you after this. And, uh, it's probably activity. it's
0: probably twenty five years since I've done a crossword though, unfortunately. Oh. <laughs>
2: You
1: can, can dust it off and, and uh, maybe lend me a hand in the future eh? <laughs> let's, uh, let's delve into your, your article Ed it's, uh, yeah. it, it made for uh, fascinating reading so we originally caught, uh, caught the article on the football pink um, and perhaps you could just give us a bit of background as to what the article was about and, and why you were inspired to write it well my, my, a good friend
2: of mine was um, in, in Lisbon uh, he's from Ireland and we were talking about um, the League of Ireland and the the league, despite it being Ireland's, you know, third sport, maybe football, and they call it soccer as well. So you know, they're really not a football country, um, predominantly football anyway. And um, the league's doing well in its own right. You know, the, the clubs. If you look at, like Copa 90 done something about the Bohemians and Shamrock Rovers rivalry, I think, in Dublin. And the league was doing it so
3: vibrant, you know, and then there's a real strong identity with each of the teams.
2: And uh, then we were moved on to talk about Scottish football and how that is a little less so. But the potential is really, really there. You know, the clubs have such rich histories and um the the league you know when when I was younger, like the league was big you know you know in the in the mid nineties there were some great players and um it was just we were kind of looking at what happened and how we could maybe um improve on that you know or or what ideas we could sort of come up with and we were in the pub at the time, and I was thinking about brewdog and the sort of punk idea was it was almost just a bit of a joke looking at their sort of branding uh, and their marketing and because that's sort of the background that I come from that, that kind of the two sort of clicked and I thought you know what like they've really done something here and they've done something that really interacted with the the Scottish sensibility of you know liking that sort of irreverence something a little bit cheeky and certainly a strong something they can get behind. You know, like Scotland with with Andy Murray, or just now with Iron Brew, you know, we're going crazy that they're they're, uh, replacing sort of the sugar levels with aspartame. And when we can get behind something, it is incredible. And the Scottish league seems to be becoming a little more um, like watered down almost. And I thought that was a real shame. So just sort of looking at Brewdog and and knowing a little bit about their story, That kind of gave me the idea for, for the idea of, well, imagine if Scottish football tried to be punk, what would happen then? And then the article was just, it was almost a little bit of a a joke in a way, you know, but then when I was writing it, I thought, you know, there there could actually be something in this. Um, And then I sort of explored it a little bit further with Major League Soccer and stuff like that. So that's sort of how it came about. Mm. You
1: you mentioned, you mentioned Brewdog there and uh... Personally, I'm a massive fan of Brewdog. I know uh, a lot for a lot of people have got their critics of Brewdog, and and perhaps you know trying to be something they're not, and you know there's been accusations they've they've sold out as well. But um, my uh, my uh, partners. Um, Mum bought me a bottle last year and it really got me into it. And I just happened to see their Business for Punk's book lying around, which was written by the the co-founder of BrewDog. And I read it religiously, actually, as a as a book. It's really interesting as to how they've approached that as a business. And um, their whole thing is very much about punk in its original sense of do it yourself. Um, yeah. And, you sure. know, when they were starting up, they didn't believe in bringing in financial consultants or anything like this. They would become experts yeah. themselves. They would read everything they could, save any money they could to put it back into the business. So, I mean, what what is it uh, particularly about BrewDog that you think Scottish football could learn from that?
2: Um, I mean, first and foremost, their success... Um, I think is something that's quite inspiring because before that, and even still to an extent, but craft beers were seen as something, almost a hipster thing, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, But they have not really, I guess, not really intentionally, but they've sort of given it a mainstream acceptance by by being a leading example, a shining light and dragging others up with them, you know, to be noticed in this industry now you've got to be competing with Broodhog, you know? And I think that's a very inspiring sort of, um, or an aspirational kind of uh, goal. And then their approach that I think could work in Scottish football, I think a lot of it comes down to, like I said, sort of creating an identity that that we can sort of get behind. But with that Scottish sensibility that's, um, you know, like a little bit cheeky and... Um, and certainly, um, yeah, I think giving giving clubs giving clubs sort of a, an incentive to create their own identities and build on their own story and do things their own way um, using this sort of brew dog model, I think is something
3: that could be very effective. I mean. Brewdog almost carved out their own mythology that sort of gave their brand. You know, like their stunts, like driving
2: tanks through
3: streets,
2: yeah. and they—they're—they're they're mental. You know, the pair of them are mental. But um, I think football clubs could really learn from not obviously driving tanks through streets and stuff, <laughs> but um, but they could certainly, I think, use the same sort of thought process to to inform their um, their their specifically their marketing and branding to create like a stronger identity and then um, to tell their own story that these stories already exist you know they don't have to to create them they don't have to write these stories i mean as a Hibs fan you know we've got the area of leaf is gone through drastic changes we've got our very interesting history we've got our badge shows the whole history and identity of the club you've got urban welsh and leith you know Leith is an incredible part of, of Edinburgh. And then I think using this sort of identity-focused approach, which is what they done, you know, they didn't focus on the technology. And even though the beer is great and it, they're, you know, one of them's a master brewer, that was not what guys like you and I maybe would appreciate first and foremost. You know, it's, it's how it looks on a shelf next to a lot of Stella. Yeah. I think that, that sets them apart, that bravery, I think. And looking at other c- countries, you know, like the, the MLS, and I think, um, like, Brescia Dortmund, you know, really, they create their own identity um, by sort of interacting and building upon the, like, pre-existing sensibilities of their audience, their target market. And you know, in doing so, especially in their example, they've got, you know, 99 plus percent season ticket renewals. And the MLS have sort of, they created identities, they sort of created stories for clubs. But now the fans have kind of, it's become something organic now, Yeah, you know? And I think that is because the fans have thought, you know, I, I can I can identify with this, and we are now politically in in the age of identity. You know, it's everywhere with with Trump, with um, the the sort of focus on on gender that's in the media. It's it's very much the age of identity, and I think football, like nothing says more about your identity than your football club. You know, you can you can tell or you'll know certain things or you can get at certain things just by a a, a person's club, you know, and I think that fundamental um, belief of something that we can all get behind as a community, that's something that I think Brewdog, I think, I don't know, but I think they kind of tapped into that. And I think that for Scottish football to grow, to get more money, more investment, more TV. They need to become, it needs to become sexy again and exciting. And, and I think this, you know, is our way of doing it. Maybe not the way, but I think it's our way of doing it, certainly.
0: A, a phrase you used a few minutes ago, Ed, um, you, you, you described Scotland almost having a, Scottish football having a, a watered-down identity. And there's yeah. a parallel there with beer, I, I guess, as well. I mean, it's, it's one thing that, that Brewdog have in their in their beer, not their, not their brand, but their, their beer has a lot of flavour. It's not watered down. Yeah. It can never be accused of that. And some of the no, stunts, some of the stunts no. that they've had about you know, you know, playing golf with bottles of Budweiser and things like that, uh, yeah. about you know, getting rid of the mass market, uh, the mass-produced, watered-down, uh, flavorless beer, and replacing yeah. it with with their brand of beer. And I, I think of that when I think of when you when you said those words about a watered down identity that Scotland has. Uh, the thing that, that jumped to my mind was the last restructuring of the, of the leagues in Scotland, what did we call the four divisions? Premiership, Championship, League One and League Two. I wonder where yeah. we found that idea from. So Scottish football is a watered down version of English football. Everything's weird, everything's a little bit less ambitious. And yeah. from, from, from what you've been saying the last few, last few minutes is, it's actually, you know, let's get away from that. Let's not water it then. Let's not be a, be a weaker version of something else. Let's be something distinctive and something unique and something Scottish.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And I think the League of Ireland, well. So I, I don't even think I spoke about them in the article, but League Ireland's a great example. You know, the clubs, they, I don't know, they, they're just, they seem, there's they are something that people really get behind. If you look at the Bohemians, they've got a sort of like a poet laureate of the Bohemians and he, he has this little spoken word piece about the club and they just really seem to care. And I'm not talking about ultras in the sense of like, you know, ripping down fences and stuff, but they have that sort of, like they have ultras almost, you know, they
3: have
2: like groups that are so into the club and they're an extension of the identity and therefore they sort of influence the club's identity and that kind of organic, like, um, I don't know, like the, the sort of symbiotic relationship that the two have. I think is, um, it's just a recipe for success. And you can see that because League Ireland, uh, and I think the league below, I can't even remember what it's called, has just seen uh, investments from American and Chinese, I think, investors. And Scottish football, were not really getting that. So that's, they, certainly, you know, these investors, they are looking for something that is gonna grow, that is a, a product that, fundamentally stands out and that has a solid basis for success is scottish football that just now you know i'm i don't really have any reason to believe it is unfortunately
1: yeah um in the Uh, in the piece you talk quite a bit about um the mls and how that's created its own identity but also um, to other sports in cricket and t20 and, and darts as well and how they've managed to create a almost separate identity for themselves is that what you kind of think um scottish football needs to do a complete rebrand
2: um i i think a complete, a complete rebrand could certainly work um I haven't had a season ticket perhaps where 10 years you know when I was back in Edinburgh I, I just can't imagine that that would have sat too well with me and um, of course it's great and it's exciting but you always need to there needs to be clear intentions and goals behind it and I think to convince people that we are doing this with people in mind not profits is very difficult and understandably so because people don't trust big businesses anymore mm-hmm. and football is a business so I think a complete rebrand, whilst that probably would be good, is very risky. I think maybe initiatives that sort of encourage um, clubs to sort of ha- take a new approach to their, their social media and their branding and stuff, that maybe could be a way forward. A complete rebrand would be great, but I
3: just don't know if it's um, if it is the solution you know, so, if, or how, how that would be received.
0: Yeah, so That but, matters. You
3: know, I don't even know if
2: that matters. Maybe sometimes it's okay to feel unsettled by change um, as long as that change in the long term plays out to be for the people, not for the big businesses. The, not that Scottish was big business, but it's certainly becoming more and more like, English football like you said with the, the naming of the leagues and stuff and if you look at all the transfer stuff now I mean with Mourinho United and Alexis Sanchez and it's business eh? yes. it's all business you know yeah. what they're doing is they're trying to take a, a great art director or a great um, C, CEO from another business you know it's yeah I don't know if them the,
0: the sort of I don't know if their um, reasoning behind it is all about giving the fans what they want. Yeah. You know? So wh- whatever whatever happens in Scottish football, if it was to rebrand, it has to avoid the cynicism that would come from people saying, "Oh, well, this is just their way of getting more money out of us or, or just their way of, of, of controlling us or shepherding us in a certain direction, whatever people's concerns would be.
2: Certainly. And I mean, when you look at like ultras groups from the east of Europe, even though they often It's kind of crazy how they um, leverage their power at clubs. They still have almost like seats at the table, you know? And I think that, and and even Germany's 50 plus one sort of rule is, um, is again something that sort of, that could be a start, you know, giving the fans more power and doing it from the ground up, you know, instead of top down. Um, that kind of change might be the first step, you know, is giving the fans more power, more say and then start to sort of introduce more power to, to the fans, you know, gradually. And it coming from them, their identities, their, they will influence the club eventually if they have enough of a say, yeah, the, know, the yep. club will act or react accordingly.
0: The ultimate example of that is one that you mentioned in your article at St. Pauli. I was over the Christmas period. I was reading uh, Nick Davidson's book about uh, about St. Pauli and the history there. And the thing that really struck me about that is that St. Pauli's identity now, which is punk. It was created yeah. by the fans. It wasn't created by the club. It was, it was almost, exactly. um, you know, the club came to the table rather than setting the agenda. It was the fans that did it. They said, no, we want we want our club to be something different. We stand for yeah. anti-fascism, uh, you know, equality, uh, anti-discrimination. Um, this is what our club's going to be about. And they almost forced the club to come along with, with their idea of what St. Pauli yeah. was.
2: Yeah. And I mean, whether you like St. Pauli's identity or not, it, it's admirable. That the the fans uh, were able to do that, and that the club have embraced it so openly, and I mean that's certainly I could imagine living in Hamburg and really enjoying just like catching up with my mates in like one of the club bars, and it seems like a real lifestyle, you know. And I think that's what football used to be, man. Look at the the, the old casuals in Scotland and the way they used to dress, man, like with their tracksuit tops or old Adidas trainers. It was brilliant, you know, like that that real that was part of your life way more than just putting a bet on, watching it on sky, and having mm. another screen over here with a game in Spain and it really was about living and breathing your club. Yeah. And now it's maybe not so much like that.
1: You you, you, you talked there about uh the fifty plus one role and, and, and fan ownership and um I suppose this this links quite nicely back to your point about Brewdog because obviously they've done several share offers which have opened up the ownership of the company, the equity for punks. And um, do you think that's something that um, you would like to see more in Scottish football? Is that something you think would help with this a bit of identity crisis? If if there was a, almost like a fifty plus one uh, rule implemented, absolutely, mate. I think without a doubt that's. Um just the way it's got to go, like I love football with all my heart and um,
2: sincerely and to be a part of your club and um, even though it is financially but to actually be a part of your club there's nothing better, like you grow up wanting to play for them then you realise you're not good enough so you start writing about <laughs> football you know and, uh, and eventually like to know you can have something to do with your club is amazing and um, I think that is a beautiful thing to do uh, like iBird on it they had to raise money so they opened up their chances <laughs> to buy shares and stuff but absolutely I think it's a fantastic thing to do mm. and I'd
1: love I'd love it if Scottish football done that I'd absolutely love it mm. what, what, One thing I've highlighted from your article is uh, Scotland is the most punk country in the world I love that <laughs> what, 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 What's your thinking behind that? Um
2: I, I'm not going to use full language, but we don't care much. It seems like we, um, we really do things our way. And um, again, it was obviously, it was a little bit of a joke in saying that, but I just think uh, we're very dry and just not really phased by much, you know, and I think that we, we just sort of embody that, like, we are small, but you're not going to get to us kind of mentality and I think that sort of powerful trodden but aspirational kind of sentiment of the Scottish is very punk you know it's just saying like I'm not going to like let the big guy get me down kind of thing and um, and obviously we um, we were sort of embraced by the punk movement and with the Tartans and all that kind of stuff as well so I think even visually we kind of have that that appeal, you know. So yeah, I think in, in
0: philosophically and aesthetically we're kind of pretty punk like. Yeah, so I I guess um one of the questions we've been asking all our all of our guests so far in the podcast series here is if you could change one thing about Scottish football, what would it be? Um so where would you where would you start on the journey to become become more punk? I believe giving people more power is like a fundamental
3: aspect of eh, the punk thing, you know? And I think that's the place to
2: start before you implement any of these sort of identity based changes that I was suggesting, I think it's going to come across as false. I don't think it's nice to do right now, you know, I don't think it's the right time. I think it is going to come across as, right, why are they doing this? Because they're not doing it for me. Um, so I think it's giving the fans power and making them feel valued, man, because I remember being a kid and going up and meeting the Hibs players and getting them to sign stuff and I was like, I hope forever, you know, I've got this club, you know, I hope this club never dissolves and it's it's always a part of me. And I think to to make people more involved, to, to have to have dads be able to bring their kids along to games and... Really be a part of the club like I feel like officially a, a part of the club, I think is just is great and and like you've said, I mean you've actually used Brewdog Dog as a better example than I have um they're they're sort of opening up to to the people is is fantastic you know and and I really think that's probably where to start, and then it's saying right guys. We've got our power, now we're going to make changes with you in mind, and then I think people will say, I believe you.
1: Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I actually was a bit of a sucker for their latest uh, Equity for Punks campaign, I've got to confess. I, bought, I did find myself dipping into my uh, debit card to buy a couple of shares in, in, in uh, Brewdog, with my thinking being that with your birthday beers, that you actually get your money back in about 10-15 years' time, so uh, it's
0: an investment. Yeah, yeah I, of course. I invested, invested a while back as well, also, and they keep on sending me for symbolic beer.
2: investment as well, eh? You know, like, it is about how it makes you feel. You yes, know? yes. It's, it's great, man. It's, and like you said, the birthday beer thing, is that when you go to the, the bar and they give you a beer because you've got the shares or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's great, mate. Like, that's just good, man. You know, like, no one's upset there. Like,
3: yeah. <laughs>
2: everyone's happy, and, and I think that's what it's all about, eh? And I think it's um,
3: football seems to become more cold and less fun and and
2: that's not good, you know now, being away from Scotland um my perspective has changed because I'm almost an outsider in many ways, with like the heart of an insider, you know, but with the mind of an outsider, and um I sort of see it for what it is when I'm looking at other leagues and I can go and see Benfica here for cheaper than hips. You know, I can see Benfica play Braga in a massive stadium. I can get a beer, like a, a, nearly a pint, because the measurements are a bit different here, (laughs) nearly a pint for two euros, 50, maybe two euros. Get like a sort of like a meat sandwich or whatever you want for maybe one and a half euros. So like really you're spending less for a couple of beers and something to eat and your ticket than Pretty much on the ticket for a hibs game, and how do you justify that?
1: Eh? Yeah, it's just saying. I think Alan and I are going to have to come out to Portugal to get a flavour of uh, the Portuguese league out definitely, there.
2: Definitely, mate. Give Re- me a shout and then um, a research yeah, mission. Absolutely. I think it's. Uh, have you seen Braga Stadium?
1: I have. Is that the one that overlooks the the, the massive mountain?
2: Yeah, so it's like built into quarry. Oh, almost. I've seen that one. And, yeah you've got like you know if, if you were coming here for like if you got the dates right you know you could catch like one of the Lisbon teams then maybe Braga for their stadium then if you were lucky maybe like Guimaraes who have like really good fans you know mm-hmm. uh, if you managed to catch those three do like a wee
3: football all then you'd be laughing because <laughs> you're getting the, the big clubs of Lisbon for that atmosphere
2: then you know Braga for the sheer beauty of their stadium then Guimaraes kind of have um like the atmosphere and it's, it's an old uh, it's an old historic city you know so I, get, I guess I'm from Edinburgh so it's
1: not too far away from home for me so it's um, it, it would be well worth doing well oh, worth that sounds doing. brilliant i will have to try that um, Ed thanks very much for joining us pleasure to have oh, you on the thanks podcast Thanks
2: much for having me guys it was a pleasure
1: yeah it'd be good
0: to talk to you again either, yeah, either on Skype again me. or Disney. in Lisbon
2: <laughs> absolutely and yeah get yourself over here and then We'll will sort something out. We'll get a few beers in, definitely.
1: Good. Enjoy. Good. Good luck with your cryptic crosswords. Good. <laughs>
2: yeah, we'll to Expect a couple of direct mails on Twitter for help.
0: <laughs> Thanks a lot. Bruce, guys. Cheers, now, Ed. Cheers, Ed.
1: Bye. bye bye. Bye now. Bye bye
0: bye. So that was uh, that was Ed. Um, great chat there. Uh, we're a wee bit constrained for time there, but we, I think we could have spoken for, for several hours there and explored all of that. Uh, we might have to pick up on that conversation when we find ourselves in Portugal for a, for a little research mission, uh, which I'm really, really looking forward to.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, what did you say? Free, free games? Three, three
0: games in a weekend and still time for some beer. I
1: think, I think <laughs> we should make that our mission in 2018 So yeah. uh, th- the second season, football tours. Um, so no, uh, really enjoyable. And I think, you know, I don't want to replicate what we said in the first bit, but a lot there that, you know, again, I feel like I to say this after every episode, a lot there that clubs in Scotland could learn from.
0: Yeah, I think so. If you want to get in touch with us, email us. Uh, the address is goals at hotmail.com. Uh, or contact us on Twitter on the Supporters Direct Scotland uh, account. It's SUPP Scott.
1: Yep. S-U-P-P Direct Scott. Um, we won't have an episode next week, unfortunately, but we will be back the following week uh, with a mystery guest. A mystery uh, and guest. a mystery guest because we don't know who it is yet. <laughs> <laughs> but we promise it will be good. Uh, until then, enjoy your football.
0: Thank you and keep on listening. <coughs>